Hey all you heavenly humans, I'm Mandile and welcome to And Other Things, a podcast about navigating life, learning from past experiences, embracing growing pains and laughing along the way. Meet me right here every week for thoughtful conversation, challenging discussion and an all-round great time. Happy Monday, y'all. First, Ramadan Mubarak to my Muslim listeners, sending you love and peace during this time. Also, happy Independence Day to my beautiful country, Zimbabwe. Independence Day was actually yesterday, but you know, I had to give a little shout shout in this episode because I miss home dearly and I am so proud to be Zimbabwean. So, To my Zimbabwean listeners, happy Independence Day fam. Much, much love. Okay, let's get down to business. Anyone know that reference? (laughs) If you do, you are a real one. And if you listen to the past two episodes, you're also a real one. And now you get to listen to me ramble on one last time in part three of this unexpectedly long saga so if you haven't listened to part one and two I really recommend you do because you may be a little lost listening to this episode but you know that's up to you so first things first POW party of the week and the prize goes to childhood with Chanel and Tiffany. So this podcast is such a breath of fresh air because it's just so informal and super casual and it's hosted by Chanel Miller, the author of Know My Name, which I mentioned in my last Women's History Month episode and her sister Tiffany. They are two Asian American young women and in their episodes they reflect on their childhoods and just share things they remember about growing up in their childhood home in Palo Alto, I believe, somewhere in in California. So listen to Childhood with Chanel and Tiffany if you want a good dose of nostalgia and sisterly banter. Okay, now on to the real reason you clicked on this episode my spiritual journey. As I was preparing to share the story or what ended up being three episodes, I told my mom that I was thinking about doing this and she told me to be careful what I spoke about in these episodes so that in the future I won't have to look back and think, dang, why did I say that? And while I partially agree with that, especially because it seems like anything anything you say or do on the internet can and will be used against you these days. However, people change. It's as simple as that. So I know that when I look back at this episode or these past, you know, this episode in the past two, two, five or ten years from now, I will absolutely be in a different place and This podcast and my blog are kind of time capsules of who I have been as a person. I remember writing this blog post about being careful about 
what media and content you consume because it can get in the way of your relationship with God or can lead you astray. And I I think I gave the example of how I had watched Gossip Girl and I tore it apart and said, you know, this is a show where high schoolers are having sex and drinking and cheating and doing all these terrible things. And I hated that I had watched it. Today, I will tell you that I have watched a lot of shows that are Gossip Girl style adjacent, but I still hold the belief that the content you consume does affect you, whether positively or negatively. Also, side note, Gossip Girl is not a good show. It's, I, I feel like it's just bad TV, maybe an unpopular opinion, but that's <laughs> besides the point. Um... So yeah, do I look back and think, man, maybe I should have thought of it differently and not ripped Gossip Girl apart? Absolutely. Do I regret writing and publishing that blog post? Absolutely not. (laughs) Because that's how I felt back then. And I was being unapologetic about my beliefs. And in these episodes, I am doing the same. So Let's allow people to change and to form new opinions as they learn and grow. I saw something on Instagram the other day that said exactly that. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. It said, normalize changing your opinion when presented with new information. And we should also welcome and accept people who are doing that. Side note, I have qualms with the word normalize. I feel like it's been way too normalize so let's normalize not saying normalize in 2021 anyway the bottom line is people change and so do their opinions and beliefs and that is okay it's absolutely okay all right now on to my beliefs and how they've changed So last week I ended the episode talking about how studying the Bible, specifically the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, and doing an in-depth analysis of the story began to shift my perspective. So at that point I would say I was just hanging around the peak of the mountain, the peak of my faith. So when I came back from the summer camp, I stayed on my college campus for the summer where I worked and I hung out with friends. It was just a really great time and I was still reading my Bible every day and studying it and I was listening to worship slash Christian music especially when I would go to gym you know like KB, Lecrae, Andy Mineo, Words Played those were my guys (laughs) I was also still keeping up with my blog and I had started actually an Instagram page for my blog but you know, that quickly faded. But yeah, I was just really in tune with myself spiritually. Oh, and I had made it through about three quarters, I believe, of the entire Bible. I was so committed and I was dead set, y'all. I was dead set on finishing it by the time December 31st rolled around. So anyway, the summer came 
to a close and the fall semester and my junior or third year of uni rolled around and just before the semester started my friends who are who were part of the on-campus Christian group who were also leaders of the group we got together with our staff person for that group as well to prepare for the semester and to welcome the incoming first year students and get those who are interested to join the group as well at that point I think the semester was a couple of days away or a week maybe I'm I'm a little hazy on the details so basically okay I am going to try to explain this next part without sharing the part of the story that isn't mine to tell so in that time while we were preparing for the semester one of my friends who was also Christian went through something quite scary and I watched it happen to her I won't say what exactly because again this part isn't my story to tell but whatever it was that happened was really scary and I was really spooked I was also just really upset for my friend and just unhappy that it happened to her because she was just the sweetest most gentle person I knew and my initial instinct along with my other friends was to pray right because we're Christian to pray vigorously and ask God to make the situation better and to protect my friend and to protect all of us I remember the day that it happened afterwards my friends and I went back to another friend's room and prayed together for quite a while it may have been an hour or so and I think that night we actually all slept in that same friend's room together about four or five of us or something like that because we just wanted to support one another and the following day I went back to my room and that morning I did a bible study and if I remember correctly I was in one of the books of Corinthians which is in the New Testament so the second collection of books in the Bible and I was just looking for comfort so I did my Bible study and prayed but as I did that I realized that I was having a hard time going through it I kept thinking about my friends and what had happened to her then the semester started and each day that went by it got harder and harder for me to pick up my Bible and read it or to even pray. I was just feeling the strong sense of fear. Really, yeah, just I was just overwhelmed with fear. And actually, for the first two weeks of the semester, I was so scared to sleep alone in my room that I asked my friends if I could sleep with them. So I would alternate rooms and sleep on the floor or if they had an extra mattress or bed, I would sleep on that. It was really, really bad. I also couldn't walk alone in the dark and when I was finally able to sleep in my own room, I couldn't sleep with the light off. I started to feel really uneasy being alone, so much so that I... I'm embarrassed to say this I would even prop my door open using my hoover or my vacuum cleaners handle so that if something scared me at night or I don't know what I thought would happen but if something did happen I could easily open the door and escape so I would sleep with my twinkle lights on and the door open And I wasn't in an apartment, y'all. I wasn't living alone or anything like that. I was living in a single room in a dorm with other people. There were probably 
15 other people on my floor and I would still sleep with the door slightly ajar which seems counterintuitive because you think the danger would be on the outside but I felt like being alone was more dangerous than being with other people or having the door open just in case and to make it worse I would actually wait until the sun started to rise and then I would sleep. Luckily in August which was when that was happening the sun Yeah, in August, the sun still rises at about 5 or 6 a.m. since it's at the tail end of the summer. So I would sleep until then on most nights, even though I had to wake up for classes early the next day. And you know, I'm typically an early riser. I'm a morning person and in college, I would wake up at 6 a.m. to work out or read my Bible just like I did in Paris. But because I was sleeping at 5 or 6 a.m. I would wake up literally 30 minutes before my 9 or 10 a.m. classes and I'm so lucky looking back that I didn't have 8 a.m. classes that semester. So basically I wasn't sleeping enough or well and sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night and not be able to fall back asleep for hours on end and yet I still had to go to my classes, still had to do homework, still had to go to work and still had to play tennis. Meanwhile, my spiritual connection and all of that you know, replenishing I had done in Paris and Italy and at the summer camp was very rapidly declining. Remember my mountain metaphor, which that metaphor is going really strong, but remember how at the beginning of this episode, I said that I had been hanging around the peak of the mountain. Well, at this point, only, you know, two weeks after, I was doing a roly-poly from the peak of my faith to the bottom, to the valley. I think about three weeks into the semester, I could no longer open my Bible, not even read it. I mean, I could no longer simply open it. I, I don't know how to explain this. I'm not sure why, but my reasoning is that I had been affected so strongly by what had happened to my friend that I was upset at God. You know, I've heard Christians say God will never give you more than you can handle, to which I will now say, did he tell you that? Show me the exact Bible verse that says that because what happened to my friend was too much for me to handle. In my head, I kept thinking, why would God let something like that happen to her? And why would he put me in the position of not just witnessing such a thing, but also being helpless in the situation? I looked it up and the Bible verse that people refer to when they talk about, you know, God would never give you more than you can handle. It actually talks about temptation to sin, apparently. So that's even worse that people are using it and taking it out of context, you know, and they also say God will never leave you nor forsake you, which that is in the Bible. But in that moment, in those three weeks that I was paralyzed with fear, literally, I I was not able to do things that I had been doing before, where was he? And maybe I'll look back on that moment 10 years from now and think, God absolutely did not forsake me. But right now, and in that moment especially, it didn't feel like he was there at all. And everything I had been doing to build up my faith, and deepen my relationship with God 
went out the door and it wasn't even on purpose it's that I physically y'all I physically could not bring myself to go to church listen to worship music hang out with my Christian friends be in religious spaces or write a blog post and all because of something that didn't even happen to me and so at this point I'm thinking what does this really signify? Why was this moment so significant? And all of the peace I had felt earlier that year in Paris and Italy and over the summer, even when I was going through challenges, because, you know, I definitely wasn't on cloud nine the whole time, all of that peace just disappeared, just like that. And I kept thinking, what does this say about me and my faith? Had I been lying to myself about how strongly I believed in God and what I was doing? Was I subconsciously an imposter, a Christian imposter? And I remember writing a blog post in 2017, I think, about how a tree with no roots can easily be uprooted and shaken right by the slightest wind or rain or storm and that to be a tree with strong roots as a Christian you need to pray often read your bible go to church repent do all the things things I had been doing I'd been doing all of that I mean you heard that in the past two episodes so was I a tree without roots if so how could that be Is that why I had been so consumed with fear? And when I use words like paralyzed or consumed with fear, I'm not exaggerating. In the space of three months, not even, it was, yeah, it was definitely less than that. I went from being at the height of my faith to being basically a non-Christian and kind of rejecting my faith involuntarily. It was just an incredibly isolating time in my life. I wasn't hanging out with my Christian friends anymore because I just couldn't. As I told you, I wasn't going to church. I stopped going to the Christian group meetings and I also stopped leading the athlete Bible study. And remember I had said I was three quarter way through the Bible at that point. I stopped cold turkey. At the same time, I was also battling severe homesickness. So when the thing that happened, happened to my friend, the first person I called was my mom for comfort. And luckily she picked up because I felt like I was going to have a minor panic attack. It was just a confusing moment. At that point, it had been almost two and a half years since I had seen my family, which, as you can imagine was really hard for me because I am close with my family and as the semester progressed I began to cry more often at night because I felt so lonely but also so scared and it was just affecting my mental health so badly that I decided to go to counseling. At that point before I made the decision the only things that were keeping me going were tennis, thank God for that, my college courses, which I really enjoyed, also thank God for that, and an unlikely someone who entered my life unexpectedly. But I knew that if I didn't seek professional help, I was going to spiral, especially because I generally have a hard time talking and opening up to people. 
So yeah, I was just really disoriented. I think that's the best way that I can describe what I was going through because, okay, so let's see if I can paint an accurate picture or use, you know, a metaphor or an analogy to describe what I was going through. So imagine you are right-handed as I am and for 20 years you have been right-handed you obviously write with your right hand if you play a sport it's your dominant hand you pick things up with it it's the stronger of the two it's just the hand and then one day the little beings in the control room of your brain who control your right hand all go into hibernation for some unknown reason and now you physically cannot use your right hand at all so now everything you had been doing for 20 years using your right hand you now have to do with your left hand and on top of that you have to make that shift very quickly because if you don't you won't be productive you won't be able to carry out even regular daily functions mundane tasks You won't be able to write or play a sport or anything. How disorienting would that be? Your body would be so confused because 20 years is a long time and 20 years of doing something one way means that it's absolutely ingrained in your being, your whole being. Now you have to start afresh in a short time span. You'd be so scared and worried and confused and as I said disoriented that's where I was at everything I had done in the past was governed by my Christian values and now because I could no longer even think about Jesus or God without feeling scared I had a blank slate that I didn't ask for and that was really scary that was really frightening for me So in the last couple of weeks of the semester, I met with a counsellor who helped me work through my insomnia, gave me tools to deal with severe homesickness and took me through a couple of exercises to navigate my new state of, I guess, religiouslessness is the word. And that's not really a word. Please don't ever use that anywhere except in if you're if it's an informal setting but yes my new state of religiouslessness and yeah that time in counseling was just so so helpful so quick plug or side note here if you are thinking about getting professional help or if you're going through a tough time and want someone to talk to I highly highly recommend seeing a counselor or therapist if that option is available to you You know, I was very fortunate back then because the counseling services at my uni were free, completely free for students, which I am so grateful for. And I took advantage of that. But I know it's not accessible to everyone, whether because of the price or the location or you don't have Internet. But if you can, you should. And actually thinking back, if I had still been able to practice my religion while I was going through that tough time, If I had still been able to pray or go to church or, you know, go to the Christian group or hang out with my Christian friends, I probably wouldn't have sought counseling or professional help because the rhetoric around therapy and the Christian spaces I grew up in personally 
was to give it up to God or to pray, pray about it, you know, which is not great advice. And I'm also so fortunate that in my household, personally, therapy or professional help or counseling wasn't stigmatized. It wasn't talked about, but I think that's better than having it expressly condemned, which I know is not the case for everyone. So just wanted to put that out there. If you can, you should go. Anyway, yeah, that's that's where I was down in the dumps all sad and lonely (laughs) okay I make it sound worse than it was it was terrible it was terrible don't get me wrong until I started getting help you know it wasn't like in the summer of 2017 which I told you all was one of the lowest points in my life and on top of that in the summer of 2017 I couldn't get help so yeah I ultimately decided that I was just going to take a break from Christianity lol because I didn't enjoy the fear that had been consuming me and on November 15 2018 I posted what I had a feeling would be my last blog post I titled it taking a break and this is what I said friends readers supporters lend me your ears As you may or may not have noticed, I haven't posted a blog post in a while. A lot has changed since July and I unfortunately have not been able to write as much. I prefer not to share the details of everything that has transpired over the past few months, but I recognize that I have a responsibility to you all as the writer of this blog to update you accordingly. I will be taking a hiatus of undetermined length from posting. I might post once in a while as I feel led, but as for now, by grace through faith is on pause. I am conscious of the impact that this blog has had on some of you, as you have told me, and I hope that you will use these posts as a sort of nudge and that you'll continue to press into your faith journeys and ask those hard questions. I'm incredibly grateful for the support that I've received over the past years. All the messages of thanks have truly been so humbling and encouraging. I am uncertain of what the future holds for this platform, but I know this isn't goodbye. I encourage you all to continue to seek truth and explore what being a Christian means, both individually and collectively. You have so much power to change the world by starting with those next to you. Once again, I am grateful for the community that has arisen from this blog and I'm looking forward to more learning, growth and sharing. With lots of love, Mandile. Wow, first of all, why was I being so formal? (laughs) We're using words like transpired, hiatus of undetermined length. I'm so funny. (laughs) But anyway, it's interesting because as I read that, I, I can just tell what headspace I was in when I wrote it and how different my thought process was in that blog post than it had been in previous posts, even the ones I read to you all in the past two episodes. I noticed that I didn't mention God or Jesus once. I didn't even end the blog with God loves you. 
And I encouraged people to ask hard questions, seek truth and explore what being a Christian means. That says a lot about how I was feeling and how I was thinking. At this point, I wouldn't say I didn't believe in God. I just didn't want anything to do with him or Jesus or Christianity, like nothing. Luckily, I was able to finally go back home to Zimbabwe to be with my family for a month in December 2018. And it was exactly the refresh that I needed. So when I came back for the whole of 2019, I didn't do anything Christian related except maybe go to church on Easter, which felt really uncomfortable if I'm being honest. And the longer I spent apart from Christianity, apart from God, apart from Jesus, the more I realized just how many qualms I had with the faith. Also, qualms is one of my favorite words, if you can't already tell. But first of all, a lot of my closest friends at that point identified as LGBTQ+, and none of the Christian spaces I had been in were LGBTQ plus affirming or accepting. And by that, I don't just mean that they said, oh, we should welcome our gay brothers and sisters no matter what, because we're all sinners. I mean, not telling people that who they are, their being, is a sin. And I guess that's unfortunate that Because I'm sure those spaces exist, but that's not what I was introduced to or what I was exposed to. And yeah, I mean, it took me almost three years to finally realize that I had really hurt a queer friend of mine through words I had said to her because of my Christian based or Christian rooted homophobia And it took me even longer to finally apologize, y'all. And as I say this, I, I feel like I should add a disclaimer to say that when I mean, you know, Christian rooted or Christian based, there's also the intersectionality of my cultural upbringing. You know, I was raised in a very conservative country, Zimbabwe is pretty conservative and maybe not in the sense that that word is used here in the States, but it's yeah being gay is 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 illegal um or or acting on your homosexuality rather actually I'm pretty sure they just say homosexuality is illegal so yeah but that's a whole thing so I I just want to input that there um but yeah it was only once I stepped away from the faith that I realized I was indeed homophobic and probably still am and I'm not saying that proudly you know I'm saying that to acknowledge that such discrimination it didn't just go away once I had a queer friend or once I decided to accept her for who she was because it was so deeply ingrained in me and it takes work to actually be aware first of all of unconscious bias then to understand it and then to work through it. It's not just a one and done type of situation. So that's one thing and I guess that more so represents how the Christianity that I was raised in 
was exclusionary. It was not welcoming to everyone, even though it preached that God loves us all. Um, and the fact that humans were the ones who were deciding who was going to hell, that was just really problematic looking back. And I finally realized that once I took that break. Another thing, and probably the biggest qualm I have with Christianity is the very reason I practiced it. And that's the fact that it was brought to Zimbabwe through colonization. So as I've begun to learn more and more about my country and my people and our history, I have just grown angrier and angrier with white settler colonialists for many reasons. And I mean, I've always known that colonization is not a great thing, but it's taken me so long to realize just how much colonialism has affected me and has shaped who I am today. Um, But in this case, I was really upset because the spread of Christianity through missionaries and then armed forces meant the eradication of a lot of traditional practices and one of the biggest casualties of colonization was the people who died because they weren't white and didn't believe in the Christian God. And that's not to say that African and Zimbabwean specifically spiritual practices were without fault in the first place because nothing and no one is perfect, right? But it wasn't the place of white settler colonialists to decide what the alternative should be. So you know, the white man's burden, which was the idea that it was white people's responsibility to civilize the world and spread the Christian gospel through imperialism, is one of the dumbest, most egotistical and most dangerous concepts I have ever heard of. And the fact that it was used to spread the gospel that I grew up on as a black girl in a majority black nation in Zimbabwe is highly problematic to me and I'm sure it's problematic to a lot of you but this hits really close to home because I was so staunchly Christian, staunchly religious and I am just coming to these realizations now because colonialism is very deeply ingrained in who I am as someone who grew up in a country that is an ex-colony. And the counter-argument is that, you know, that wasn't God's intention. But as we say in the field of communications, the medium is the message. The medium is the message which means that the medium used to communicate a particular message is just as if not more important than the message itself y'all i'm getting heated (laughs) so i'm just gonna leave it at that and answer the question that is the title of this episode and the past two so if you're asking mandile why do you no longer believe in god well dear listener The reason I no longer believe in God is cognitive dissonance. So I know that's not an immediately satisfying answer, but 
if you don't know, cognitive dissonance is used to describe the mental discomfort that results from holding to conflicting beliefs, values, or attitudes. And that's because people tend to seek consistency in their attitudes and perceptions. So this conflict causes feelings of unease or discomfort. Those are not my words. I am not that sophisticated, not that eloquent. I got that definition from verywellmind.com. But in my own words, cognitive dissonance is the uncomfortable feeling or the feeling of discomfort that arises when you are, when you have two conflicting beliefs in your mind and you're struggling to reconcile them, right? And so you will make compromises on one of them to ease that discomfort. And so in me at this moment, right, in in April 2021, I cannot hold a belief in Jesus Christ, a Christian God and Christianity at the same time as I hold a belief that all people are equal and that there is a loving God out there because in my head right now, they almost seem mutually exclusive as, as a black African Zimbabwean woman how can I believe in a God who was introduced to me through a system that massacred and oppressed my ancestors but at the same time I am very aware that some of the most religious countries in the world are in Africa I think the top two what was it like Ghana Nigeria and that's based on some research that I did and I'll leave a link to that in the show notes so you can check it out and you know um, verify the information because I am not you know an expert on this topic but I I don't want to sit here and say all Christians who practice Christianity or believe in a Christian God are lost or deluded because first of all that's absolutely not true second of all that would be putting myself above other people I have already done that in the past when I was a Christian and I will not be doing that again as much as possible I want to also recognize that I am currently in the U.S. where comfort is the name of the game for me and there's no war within the country and the poverty rates are much much lower than those in the country I'm from and maybe I feel like I'm okay without a god because I know I have a better chance of making it here than I did back home and maybe if you're from a war-torn country or living in extreme poverty a belief in god is essential to surviving you know and that's just speculation yeah, and for some people, it's it's just a choice. That's just what they choose to believe in. Um, but basically, what I'm trying to say is that this decision is my own. This belief that I, you know, can't hold the knowledge that Christianity was introduced to me through colonization or colonialism, and also the belief that we are all equal as the Christian gospel preaches, and that there is a Christian God and Jesus and all of that. The fact that I can't hold those two beliefs together at once is personal to me. It does not say anything about anyone else's religious practices. I want to make that 100% clear. What I will say, though, is that if you are white and Christian and have never stopped to think about the colonial foundations and bigoted practices of the church, 
that's something you should probably do and that's just a suggestion i will not tell anyone how to live their lives okay wow i really went on a rant there but it's fine <laughs> another thing i i want to clarify is that even though my departure from christianity as i knew it was triggered by what happened to my friend that event isn't the reason I have issues with the Christian God as I knew him. That event was really what allowed me to have space to question and rethink and reframe my faith. And the events and reflections that followed are what led me to where I am today. And I realized that maybe I wouldn't have taken that space on my own if I hadn't experienced something so extreme and for that I am ironically grateful. So 2020 was basically the same as 2019. I stayed clear of anything and everything Christian related except a sermon or two here and there. It's only this year 2021 that I've been able to begin processing what happened in 2018 and you know I've had moments where I was really scared about what would happen if I die today you know where would I go you know and and by that I mean heaven or hell (laughs) and as I worked through those feelings I realized that for most of the 20 years that I had practiced Christianity my faith was actually driven by fear fear of going to hell, fear of being lost without my faith, and fear of being on the periphery of society, which is how non-Christians or those who don't practice mainstream Christianity are sometimes treated. And I didn't like that realization, especially because Christianity teaches that perfect love casts out fear or something like that, which basically means if I'm not mistaken that fear is not a godly feeling and yet that was the primary emotion that drove my faith so how could that be I also realized that with believing in the Christian God came a lot of feelings of shame so when I messed up and made a huge mistake or gave into you know one of those taboo sins I felt a lot of shame not about doing those things, but about who I was. I felt like my being was shameful and no one should ever feel like that. For example, and this is a minor example of this, in last week's episode, I shared that I went to a bar in Paris for the first time with friends in 2018. And I read the blog post about that experience, but Afterwards, I actually realized that what I had failed to mention in that blog post was that I had had a sip of rosé from my friend's wine glass. Yeah, the truth is, I think when I wrote that blog post, I felt shameful or ashamed about taking that sip and drinking alcohol. And I was scared of having someone find out, especially in my family, that I had drunk. Is it drunk? Drunk? I had drunk? I think it's drunk. (laughs) Yeah, I had drunk. It was literally a sip, y'all. And I didn't even like it. I'm sorry to say that also may be an unpopular opinion. I don't like the taste of wine. It also burns my throat. And I have also gotten tonsillitis from drinking hard liquor. But that's that's a topic for another day. Anyway, um, 
yeah, it was a sip and I didn't even get buzzed. And yet I was so ashamed of having done that for some reason. And even when I had disconnected or distanced myself from the faith, there were things that I did that brought up feelings of shame, like really strong to the point where I'd be crying and sobbing and feeling fear again. And in fact, for the first year or so after I finally decided that I was taking a break from Christianity, that feeling of shame lingered in my heart. I felt ashamed that I was even taking time to process and to understand why I had been feeling so paralyzed by fear, you know? And what does that say about my faith and the God I believed in? Again, I'm absolutely not going to sit here and trash the Christian faith, which I've kind of done, but not exactly trashing. I'm, you know, questioning and thinking critically about it. And I'm not going to say that I'm atheist or agnostic because I don't even know where I stand because I believe that there are things that have happened in my life to this day that I believe happened divinely and I have countless stories most of them to do with financials or finances which is an area I've lacked in for as long as I can remember like affording Paris or Italy despite the financial barriers and there were times where I was told I couldn't register for classes because I hadn't paid my school fees and yet those situations always miraculously figure themselves out in the most unbelievable of ways. And I graduated with very little debt, you know, and opportunities have fallen into my laps without my trying too hard. And they led me in the exact direction I wanted to go. So I don't know. I believe that those are divine events and to discount that because I no longer believe in a Christian God I think would be unfortunate if I can use that word and remember when I talked about feeling pushed to do certain things by a higher force that's another example and when I believed in the Christian God as I was taught to know him he showed up he showed up in the awesome people around me in the opportunities I didn't really deserve. I promise there were some that I didn't deserve or didn't do anything to deserve. And most importantly, he showed up at one of the lowest points of my life. I even find myself singing Christian songs from time to time and maybe that's out of habit or maybe it's something deeper. You know, I can't sit here and discredit the God that I used to believe in because when I did believe in him, I do believe he did show up for me but at the same time I can't believe in him right now because how I was taught to believe in him doesn't align with my other beliefs or values about humanity. Okay this episode is getting long so here are my concluding thoughts because I said a lot over the last three episodes and I'm so thankful that these episodes have allowed me to process everything that happened because honestly, I hadn't journaled about it or written about it or thought about it this in depth since it happened. And I feel like now that I've finally come to terms with where I'm at, I can begin to think more critically about where I'm going. So, okay, this is where I'm at in 2021. 
I still say that I'm Christian because that's all I've ever known and I know that a lot of my values and how I think is rooted in my Christianity but unless I'm actually asked about my faith I don't have a category or definition for it you know I'm a spiritual being and I recognize the way that I moved throughout the world was influenced by Christianity but I have no specific religious affiliation if I can say it that way and speaking of that I read this really really great book that I recommend to anyone looking to connect with their spiritual side without the religion part of things or for anyone trying to find their footing after some sort of religious shake-up like me because again as I said going through what I went through was highly disorienting and I'm only now starting to find my bearings and this is what two years later almost three years later and the book is called The Power of Ritual and it's by Casper Takayal and it's a book that impacted me so so strongly after I read it and in it the author basically goes through rituals that can help us as humans be spiritual beings without the structure of religion so rituals are patterns he says that lay the foundation for a more sacred or fulfilling life and he says these are different from habits because they require intention attention and repetition anyway i'm not going to get too into the book so if you want to read it if you can I'd highly recommend that you get it. So anyway, he talks about taking a Sabbath, as is the Jewish tradition, reading books written by people as sacred texts, which is called Lectio Divina, and finding community spaces to inhabit. But most importantly, in one of the chapters, he talks about how to pray and borrows the ACTS method, that's A-C-T-S, which I think is taught in Christian organizations, actually, and ACT is an acronym for adoration, contrition, thankfulness, and supplication, I believe. And so as you pray, you go through those four steps. First, you show adoration for God and his creation or something like that. Second, you reflect on how you fell short. So that's contrition, how you fell short or messed up as a human, because obviously you're not perfect. Third, you say what you're thankful for. And then finally, you ask for something for yourself or for other people. And that's supplication. And I bring this up because I love journaling. And I was looking to add a little more structure to my journaling practice. And this is something I have implemented into my routine. It's a prayer journal, which is really ironic since I don't actually specify who I'm praying to even though I know that because I spent 20 years praying to a Christian God, that's who I subconsciously pray to. But can I really believe that my prayers will be answers if I don't actually believe in that God? Or are these words falling on deaf ears? Or maybe I just like the comfort of knowing that I'm at least connecting to my spiritual side, even if I'm not doing it perfectly. And, you know, I still believe that I'm a spiritual being and that I couldn't live without some sort of spiritual connection, at least not right now. And that's one of the most important things I realized. It's that you don't just go from believing to not believing, or at least I didn't. It's not a line you cross over where one side is marked crazy for Jesus and the other side says, Jesus who? 
you know, for me, it's been a process of rethinking and having days where I think about what I was like when I was faithful and having other days where I'm completely comfortable exploring other options. And I absolutely respect religion and people's choices to follow whatever religion they want to. But this is where I'm at. I don't speak for other people and other Christians at all. And I want to make that absolutely clear again. And actually this year, 2021, was the first year that I was actually able to physically open my Bible. Not read it, just literally open it. I haven't read that Bible since 2018. I'm in a place where I want to learn and know and understand the history of Christianity and other religions right down to the root. And, you know, in last week's episode, I said I felt like I had only been told half the story, right? And some people are okay operating on faith alone, um, the faith that the Bible is infallible, and that's okay. It takes a lot of courage to do that, I believe, and kudos to them. But I know personally that if I don't get to the bottom of this, it's truly going to bother me and nag at me. And I want to be at peace with my decision. So it's time for me to know the full story. I don't know what I will believe next year or in five years but what I know for sure is that right now I cannot believe in a God who was introduced to me through colonialism and preached to me through an exclusionary gospel until I have personally done the work of understanding who he really is. Okay, folks, that's all for today. Next week, we'll dive into my conversations with guests about their own personal spiritual journey. So yeah, that's really exciting. I'm excited for you all to hear these conversations because they're really awesome. I hope you enjoyed getting to hear my story and maybe you took something away from it. If not, that's okay too. Thanks for listening anyway. If you do decide to take away one thing from this three-part saga, I think the thing you should take away is that people are allowed to change their opinions and beliefs as they grow through life. And I said grow, not go, because that's important. And yeah, that's such a crucial lesson that I've learned. Also, if you are having a hard time with your faith, know that I see you especially if you were raised in a very religious household and maybe your religion is something that you've known for a couple of decades you know I know how tough it can be so just hang in there and allow yourself time to process everything I think the most important thing is to be at peace with your decision whatever it is right listeners thanks so much for spending some of your precious time with me throughout this episode as always don't forget to subscribe share with a friend and rate and review on apple podcasts follow and other things on instagram at and other things potty for more valuable content this podcast was written hosted and produced by me have a most magnificent day Thank you.